Good evening, everybody. We are sharing from uh, liberating truths uh, from the heart of the Father. Truths that will set you free so that you can live your life to the full potential and everything that God has got for you. Tonight we're looking on victory on the hill. What did Jesus win for you on the hill of Calvary? What did he achieve? Reinhard Bonker, the late Reinhard Bonker, tells a story where he was in a discussion with somebody that says they don't believe in the Bible, they don't believe in the cross, they don't believe in Christianity because look at all the people around them and if there's all evil. And Reinhard, in his discussion, um, and I know he was a German, I'm sure you've heard his accent, and he said, Bonke, and he kind of jokes like that, and he says, well, he doesn't believe in soap. And the guy says, but I cannot believe in soap, soap is this. He said, but how can I believe in soap if there's so many dirty, smelly people? And the guy said, well, they need to apply the soap, and he says, exactly. People need to apply soap to get clean, otherwise soap exists for no reason. Yeah, and same with God and the Bible. If we do not apply that, we're missing the power that is there for us. So when we look at the cross, Farney says we must understand that the cross is the biggest revelation. It's the biggest stake you will eat in, in, in Christendom and Christianity, spiritually speaking, if you could understand the fullness of the cross. Paul writes that we might understand the height and the depth and the width and the length of the love of God. It's just talking about the cross because the cross is the evidence of God's love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish. So He gave Him on the cross. Jesus Himself willingly went to the cross. No one forced Him because of love. So if we understand the Father heart of God around the cross and what He won for us, there is so much more to our lives that we can obtain. So in Romans 1.16 it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. The word gospel means the good news. God is not angry with you. You need to get that. You need to understand that you and I need to comprehend that God is not sitting up in heaven waiting with a lightning bolt, waiting for with the next disease, the next circumstance, the next calamity to teach you something. God does not speak through circumstances. He speaks within circumstances. It's for us to expand on that thought. We sometimes have to go to the extreme of a thing to understand what we're saying. So for instance, if somebody's child gets cancer, is God angry with them and wants to teach them a lesson? That, that is, that's not a loving God. That's not a kind God. The converse, somebody wins the lotto or they go gambling and they win big. They win millions and millions. Is God happy with them? Did they do something right so that this circumstance came over them? No. Not, neither of these are correct. You see, God frowns on gambling. He frowns on them. He calls that it's the worship of Mede and Gad, the God of fortune and fate and, and, and luck. You see, but you could win. It doesn't prove that God is happy with you. And just 
the opposite is true. Good Christian, loving, kind people can be living a good life. And just because life is what it is, their child can get cancer. It doesn't mean God's trying to speak to them. Can you see how that thinking is flawed? So God is not angry with you. He doesn't speak through circumstances. He doesn't bring stuff over your life to teach you a lesson. Will he use it? Yes. God will make all things work to the good for those that love him. Even the bad in life and the bad circumstances and bad stuff that we go through in this life. Lord Jesus will not waste your suffering. He will make the best out of it for you. But that does not mean he wants to teach you something. The gospel is that God is not angry with mankind. If God was still angry after the cross of Jesus, then the cross itself, the death of Jesus itself, wasn't enough. And Jesus says, it's all done. The work is finished. It's complete. Look, see, everything is new. So I want you to understand this evening that God, loves you and he is not angry with you and for you and i it might be difficult to understand that because we might come from a place where there's an angry father or this uh, absent father or a father that expected too much of us and you know if we underperformed we we were in the doghouse and if we didn't perform enough we were in the doghouse and if we just performed average it just got a mm, God is happy with you. He's pleased with you because of the price that Jesus paid. He quenched, he extinguished God's anger. We live in the dispensation of mercy and grace. I'm not saying you can do whatever you want to do and live whatever life you want to live. To the contrary, because we are living in the dispensation of grace and mercy, we are liberated. We set free from the law of sin and death. Sin has got no hold over you. It doesn't rule over you anymore, you see, because your king is ruling over you. So you are set free. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes so i want you to understand that is there's not an exclusivity there's not an exclusive club who you belong to this church you belong to this faith or this religion that you are saved or that you have salvation or you know what i give so much money or i help so many orphans or i volunteer at the spca I'm such a good person. My house is a house of safety for children. Or I help the elderly. None of that. It is the cross that is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Who believes that Jesus is Lord. Who believes that Jesus was born of a virgin. It's not a fable. It is a truth that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he died and that he rose again. Many people will come to you. 
and they will discredit the virgin birth of Jesus. That they would say Jesus never came, or Jesus just a man, or Jesus just a a nice person, or he didn't come at all. The Bible declares those people as the anti-Christ. They are against Jesus. Anti-Christ. Anti the anointed one. Anti the son of God. Anti the son of man. Anti, anti, anti. Salvation is based only, rooted only in Christ Jesus. There is nowhere, no other place has God given us another way to salvation except through Jesus Christ? You might get, become very unpopular for taking a stance like that in a world where we are to indulge and to give understanding towards all other religions and where people might believe that we all go to the same place and we all worship the same God. Yet the Bible comes and defines it. He puts it one side. There is one source of salvation, and that is the cross on the hill of Calvary that won it for you. It is a free gift that you receive when you believe that Jesus is the only way, that He is the Son of God. And Jesus says, if you reject Him, you reject the Father. So it's very important that we understand it. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Another translation says, it is madness, it's insanity for those who are perishing. For us who are being saved, it's the power of God. You see, the cross doesn't make sense. First, our flesh wants to win salvation. We want to earn it. We want to live in a way. We want to conduct ourselves. We want to go into religious activity. Handai, shandai, bowtai. We want to make, wash our plates in a certain way and kneel in a certain way. And now we are a good person. Now we are accepted. We cannot be saved by our actions or our works. The Bible describes that as dirty, filthy, blood-stained cloths that no one wants. God says, I will make you white as snow, not your works. 1 Corinthians 1.23, what do we preach? But we preach Christ crucified. You see, can you see how this hill, this Calvary hill, the Golgoa hill is the crux of our salvation. The whole of the Old Testament points to that. The exodus out of Egypt points to that. The temple points to the cross. The prophecies points to the cross, to Jesus dying. And then Jesus, him in his own lifetime, prophesies what's going to happen to him. He prophesies that he's going to die. He prophesies that he's going to become alive again, raised from the dead. He prophesies that he will ascend to heaven. And then he pulls it off. Many people are trying to discredit that and saying that, you know, there's fables and stories. And it could be, it could be if one or two people said that. 
But hundreds of people saw Jesus resurrected. He appeared to more than just five, hundreds of them. He showed himself alive. All of them can't have hallucinations or psychedelic drugs to cope with the trauma of their Savior. No, no, Jesus was resurrected. That rock was moved. That tomb is empty. That stroll that they, wore, that they wrapped him up it was lying there. His clothes were folded up. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, For I decide to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see, even if we are very intelligent and we are highly qualified, we must remember that the only thing that counts in the spiritual realm for our salvation is to know Jesus Christ crucified. Galatians 6, 14, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people use this phrase, I turned my life around. That's fantastic. I am so glad that you could stop smoking, that you could stop drinking, that you could lay down the, the drugs, that you stop beating your wife, that you stop stealing, lying. I'm so proud of you. That is so good. The willpower that it takes to do that on your own is immense. Somebody to train themselves to think different, come out of depression. I am so proud of you. But the only thing that we can boast when we come to face judgment is that we Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the difference between repentance and being born again. Repent you can do on your own. It can be difficult. I'm not taking anything away from any person that stopped using heroin on their own. They enrolled themselves in in rehab, and they got cleaned, and they've stayed cleaned. Any person that's gone to the AA or alcoholic that stopped drinking on their own, that is such an achievement. Well done. But your salvation does not lie in what you have done. Your salvation with God lies in Jesus Christ crucified. So I want to touch quickly tonight. We're going to have more phases on this on what Jesus, more episodes, won for you. Jesus, on the hill of Calvary, sin has been conquered. Jesus made sin for us. You see, Jesus was innocent. He never sinned. He was holy. How did he achieve that? How can he live that? Well, he knew his father's voice. He knew God's voice and he listened to it and he was immediately obedient. And that is the fullness of God in him. He became sin that we might become righteous. 2 Corinthians 5, from verse 17 on to 21, Paul says, I beg you, be reconciled to God, for in Christ Jesus you have got the righteousness of God. You see, the word righteousness means to be in right standing relationship. If you had an account and your account was in arrears, you are not in right standing relationship. But if your account is up to date, 
you are righteous, you are in right standing with that place that gave you an account. Now, within Jesus, our bill is paid up with God the Father. We are in right standing. He has paid the bill for us. He became sin. He didn't sin. He became our sin. He took it on Him so that we can be in right standing with God. So the first thing that you need to know is that sin has been conquered. The record of debt that was against us, against you and I, was nailed to the cross. It was canceled out. Maybe you are, like some people I know, that really grew up innocent. They've just never done anything wrong in their lives. The condition of man's heart is evil. Somewhere along the line, we all fumble. We all make a mistake. All of us fall short of the glory of God. We all need a remedy. None of us is above that. We all need Jesus. In the eyes of God, we are all equal all fall short of the glory of God. But by the exchange of our fault onto Jesus, our sin onto Jesus, our guilt onto Jesus, our debt onto Jesus, we all, when we believe, are the same in God's eyes. Righteous, redeemed, no longer. Through faith I can consider myself crucified. Galatians 2.20, therefore I can count myself dead to sin. Romans 8 says, I am no longer subject to the law of sin and death, but subject to the law of the spirit of life. I can kill the works of my flesh by the means of the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of truth, Romans 8.13. You can put to death in your body the actions of sin. Maybe it's thinking. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's anything that you can come up with. You, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can finish with that. We're going to stop there for tonight. And I'll be next week we're carrying on victory on the hill. And we'll look at other aspects that was won for us on the hill of Calvary. Let me just pray with you. Father, thank you so much that tonight we can start to understand and open the eyes of our heart and the eyes of our understanding to see what you have won for us on Calvary. Lord, and maybe this is a little bit of truth that fell somewhere in somebody's heart that will set them free from sin, from feeling guilty, from feeling depressed and anxiety. Lord, that they might know that they might know that you are not angry with them, but you are in love with them. Not because of how they act and what they do, but because of the price that Jesus paid. Holy Spirit, I ask that you pour out your love in our hearts. Just pour it out. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your love tonight. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you again for more of this liberating truths in the Father's heart next week, Wednesday. God bless.